How about those Blue Jays? How about, what are Blue Jays? What are Blue Jays? You don't feed them all winter and think they don't come back and... Hey, I feed them all the time. Actually, they eat cat food. All right? Well, I think every person that goes to the... Every every person that goes to the stadium feeds the Blue Jays. That's true. That's a monetary remuneration. When I came into this world... You are listening to In Grey Highlands This Week. We're going to start this show with something a little bit of an intro that we're not going to be normally doing in the future. And we're going to do something a little bit different. So we're going to introduce each other. I'm going to talk a little bit about Mayor McQueen. Is that? No, no, he's not a mayor. He threw his his chain of office out tonight. All right. My name's Stuart Halliday, but I want to introduce uh, one of my partner here tonight, Paul McQueen, a farmer from Osprey. Well, thanks, Stuart. And, uh, I got to know you yourself, and you bought your store here in the Emporium in, in Eugenia, and you were selling ice cream and doing all that fun stuff, along with being very involved with the community, and Heritage was your big part. And I guess you, uh, part of the big thing that you did was save the Southeast Grey Museum here in Flesherton, and I think that puts you on the map in the sense of uh, some credibility to uh, the early days of Grey Highlands, and uh, thank you for that. Well, that was a great honor to be part of a team, Paul, that, uh, yeah. that saved it, and it was a uh, um, Don McCausland said, I'm, if you don't do something, I'm going to tear it down. Tear it down. <laughs> All right. And I didn't want that to happen. So that was the beginning of my involvement with the South Grave Museum. I still on that board. So, however, today we're going to talk about some of the things that, that we as, as residents of Grey Highlands see as some things that maybe we should be talking about. So you as a farmer, all right, having lots of cows and lots of hay and lots of kids, the beautiful <laughs> wife are going to bring that uh, perspective uh, that not everybody uh, maybe sees you. And I've seen you in your great dungarees, all right, uh, coming in from the from the barn. You're not very pretty when you come out, but it's uh, it's okay. You, As they say, you clean up very nicely. Well, thanks, Stuart. And uh, podcast, wow. I, I guess that's a, that's a fairly new word in the vocabulary of, of uh, the last 10 or 20 years. But uh, Stuart, you know, it's a, it's great to know you. It's it's great to uh, see that uh, you've committed to this community and, and the sense of raising a family. Uh, you know, coming here, I, we've uh, done a lot of great things together. We've gone to, uh, I, think, I think you introduced me to pulled pork back in 2010 when we were in Windsor. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I think made us uh, sort of unique because, uh, you've introduced me to a lot of great things and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's great to see that you're very committed to this community called Grey Highlands, which you're all excited about. I really enjoyed, uh, let's say the, the youthful spirit that you, you brought to our organizations that I was part of, and you were always, uh, you lived up to your name, a nickname, which was Percy. And we, we, we fought a lot of battles together. And, and uh, I think in some cases we won them, some cases we didn't. But I think that one of the things that I really thought was really totally amazing was when you came over to my house one time and I was trying to get rid of two snowmobiles, all right? Oh. <laughs> and can you believe that? I had to get them going first. <laughs> well, that was it. Getting them going, you lit matches and put them into the spark where the spark plug should have been. That's because right? it got flooded. <laughs> Anyhow, well, whatever. That was really amazing. So today, I think your boys are running around in those snowmobiles. Uh, I, I'm, let's say this: it was a bargain for you. I hope it was 
something that your kids have enjoyed as well. Well, uh, certainly those snowmobiles were have added a lot of fun to my boys, but you know that's also added a, a great deal of experience of, of working in those snowmobiles. I think they've had to rebuild one and fix the other, but you know the, they went through three boys, and the, the youngest is still running one of them, and uh, and uh, the other, you know, you don't they, they don't build them like they used to. No, well, <laughs> actually they're. They certainly build them better today than when I first got my first snowmobile in 1968. All right. So right. anyhow, that was a, a bit of a crude machine. Well, you know, I just saw on Facebook there uh, an advertising, a 1967 Alpine with two tracks. And uh, it said the, it could be restored. And it had, the guy had one track. But, you know, an Alpine was a brute. There right. was a workhorse. And maybe that's what we are, Stuart. We're workhorses that go out there and do the job. Well, we do, and we follow through, and uh, you can always depend us, <laughs> depend on us to make sure things uh, come together, and uh, we do our homework. Right. So you've always been very good at uh, uh, understanding uh, the sort of where I come from uh, a, a little bit. That I was in business, and and I think we made a good team because we gave a good perspective. You had the mm -hmm. farm background. And also the political background, but I had 38 years in business. And so when I retired up here, I was itching to do something, all right? And that's when I bought the the, for, the store in Eugenia with my dear wife, Patricia. And our on our anniversary of June the 23rd, 2000, we started up the store. Right. I still got that compressor, you know. Do you use it? I haven't got it hooked up yet. Oh, really? <laughs> it's still sitting there. I keep telling the boys that we got to get that hooked up in that shop. So, you know, I think, Stuart, moving forward to what we're trying to achieve here, a lot of it is to spur on discussion, which you and I will certainly uh, do. But also, it's I've always felt in, in a lot of things, it's people need to be communicated to, they also need to be educated because everybody has a different perspective. And I think we need to take a, take a step back to listen to what people are saying out there. And, and, and you and I will certainly share some of that aspect of what we think. But we're, we're not, we're, we're not, professional uh, in the sense of what we think is right but we certainly can bring a perspective and i you know i look at what i can maybe bring to things to this show is uh, my life experiences certain things that i've heard and and certainly life experiences and and certainly i know Stuart, you probably have a wealth of life experiences that you'll be able to share well i do have some experiences that uh, relate to some of the topics that we're going to be talking about uh i think it's important uh to be informal we're going to be informal we're going to try and and look at things you know like um from top to bottom and upside down and backwards because it's not you don't always get a, an opportunity to, to to look at issues along those lines so i think one of the things that we're also going to have is a feedback line here and uh, we have a, a telephone number and and we hope people will give us feedback and and give us the information that they would like to hear from us our telephone number is 519-900-8905. And feedback at ingrayhighlandsthisweek.ca. I was looking at the uh, realtor information yesterday, and there are 72 homes for sale in Gray Highlands, and only two of them are below 300000 Wow. And so I think there's a challenge there. And you know that uh, that we're only we're building uh, big homes in Greyhound, so there's nothing happening right now. Uh, even though, let's say, there is a, a subdivision that's pending, it hasn't started, and who knows what that will cost. So it's really important for 
the millennials, all right, the young people who have never bought a home before, to have a place that they could put invest in. And you know and I know that investing in real estate is a very, very being a very good thing for both you and I. Mm-hmm. And so we want certainly to get young people started in that. Right. They can't rent forever, so we got to figure a way that uh, that we can make this happen. And so I think that uh, we will be exploring options. I had a nice chat today with Patrick Petch, and there will be some excerpts from that. Patrick has some ideas. But you also have some ideas about exploring secondary suites, because I think one of the things that we are finding is that uh, – People are keeping their homes a lot longer than seniors are, and they're not giving them up because there's nowhere for them to go. And so maybe there's some solution if they have kids that are out of an age that are millennial age, which is anywhere from, I don't know, 24 to 37, I'm told, uh, that maybe there's a solution for them to uh, maybe build a secondary suite in in their current home. And... uh, and you had some ideas on that. Do you want to explore a little bit of secondary home concepts? Well, certainly I can, Stuart. And I know I want to get back to this $300,000 and how so many young can afford that. But we'll leave that for a minute. Well, certainly about, uh, I think, about five years ago here in Grey Highlands, they certainly created the opportunity to, uh, um, through the direction of the province of Ontario, to create an opportunity for uh, the ability to have secondary homes. And it went through a, a planning uh, process. Saying that, you can have uh, three types of secondary uh, dwellings, which is the basement, or above a garage, or uh, a detached home, and it has to be equal to or, or smaller than the uh, prime residential uh, home that's on the on the particular property. Saying that, it's a great opportunity not only to create the opportunities for young people in the sense of giving them that first step. I mean, certainly, if you were to build a 800 square foot secondary unit in the backyard of your two-acre lot, uh, certainly uh, that would give an opportunity for a young young family, plus it gives them the independence. And I think that's also the importance of, of anybody, you know, starting off in this, with a family is to have independence. Having the ability to have that first step and then moving in and, and the ability to save, certainly when that uh, young family moves on and, and maybe does buy a house, it gives, also gives that secondary um, opportunity for income for your parents or whoever is owning that place. I think it adds equity. It certainly adds equity. And it certainly is a, is a certainly a, an increasing way of, of density for our, our, our municipality. Not only for that, for the simple fact is, it's, you know, families that are raised here use our arenas, use our community centers, use our schools. I know we had a big issue with schools. Uh, we had the closing of uh, one of the schools in one of our larger urban centers was being threatened to be closed. So young people staying here is very important. And certainly having the ability to create housing uh and maybe that's one aspect is of the secondary uh unit so that may be more affordable than uh than looking at uh, trying to get into a, a home that's just under three hundred thousand. it's one it, option it, well it's certainly yeah. an option but let's face it uh, can you put a secondary unit in a, on on another home uh, under three hundred thousand dollars today well i think i think you're showing one of your uh for sale um uh, homes that was under three hundred thousand. One of them had an in-law suite. Right. So that's that, you know there's other opportunities to to create those rentals or create that opportunity. So there's more going to be happening than there's more thinking. So why we're looking for feedback is of course is to try and figure out solutions. Solutions. Right? Right. Ultimately, we can't come up with the solutions, but maybe we if we can analyze what the public needs. Right. We'd like to hear from millennials, and uh, you know 
what what would they think uh, how could they get started uh, you know the, there is the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation that requires a 5% uh, right. down payment and uh, so if you have a $300,000 home that's uh, 5% of that is uh, 15,000 $15,000 yeah. and so that means a mortgage that's going to carry uh, for what's so, so $285,000 mortgage yet. so how right. do you how do you how do you do with that two hundred eighty five thousand dollar mortgage? <clears throat> I choke right now, but uh, <laughs> but basically, probably the first guy who uh, was looking at buying a first home would probably choke because that's a lot of money. That's still a lot of money. It is. Oh yes. So two two eighty five over a twenty five year amortized uh, every month because you know as you and I probably do it every two weeks because we want to save those mortgage payments. But so what does that actually work? Have you worked it out? I did work out at, at this low interest rate, which will never be guaranteed, but let's say two and it's three been, quarters. It's been around for a while. Yeah. And it's about $1,300 a month. 1300 Okay. So uh, 1300 with uh, a young couple bringing in, what, $2,500 a month? Well, yes. I would think that that's... Uh, it's probably a magic number, but... Right. Right. So, so because you not only got their housing, you got insurance, you got repairs, you got a car, you got to buy food, you got clothing, and there's all these aspects of, uh, and now we're talking about attainable housing for young people, but there's also seniors too, Stuart. Right. People that, uh, you know, still need to, they're on a fixed income. And let's talk about that a little bit. Well, we certainly would encourage uh, those kind of buildings, I think, to come into into our community. We do have some rental units in Markdale, but we could use a lot more. Right. And there Where's are it? some companies that are doing that. So hopefully they'll they'll hear this message and they'll they'll look at doing some of those kind of homes and their rental units. And I think that that's the way uh, that's the way to go. For a senior, all right. So I was doing some little bit of figuring last night, and and we have I think three different categories of seniors, and I'm not trying to categorize seniors, but we, as we've seen, there's you know there's people that have retired, but they're very active seniors, right? And and they're very active there. There and then we you know you get into that 75 years are still active, maybe downsizing, they don't you know need as much space, and then we get into the sector where they're the 85 plus, and they still want to be independent, but the problem is is independence and and all the factors of life. And we know, you know, the other issue of the next step is long-term care or assisted living and that type of thing. I think most seniors do want to stay at home as long as they can. And I guess that's where probably the aspect of, of home care and, and other things that I think there's, I heard a thing on the news the other day where uh, dentists will come to your home. So, uh, you know, so doctors and, you know, so I think, you know, from a, people feel more, uh, more at life, I think, being in their own home. Well, I think so too, and I, I do believe that they have to. Uh, also, one of the things that uh, we have to make sure is that seniors aren't uh, are, are receiving visitors. All right, and having your dentist come to the home is at least a visitor, and also I understand pharmacies come uh, come as well these days. So, I mean, we're saying though that that the seniors may want to sell that home, may want to take their equity out, and and find a place to rent, and they can do the math. All right. If you're 85 years of age and you get $400,000 for your house and you can rent a nice home for $1,200 a month, uh, the math works. All right. And uh, I think that and you could probably have a better quality of home at the, you know, at, at 1200 maybe than the one you're leaving from. And you don't have to worry about uh, cutting the grass or, plow, or plowing the snow or anything like that. So, I mean, we're 
we're hoping that some of those that some of that information will come. So secondary suites, uh, seniors' homes. There's a real need for that in our community. So maybe when we get talking to our next episode, we talk about the idea of renting. And, and, and renting versus owning. And maybe that's a, another way of, of your aspect of, of housing because, you know, you, earlier on you talked about housing and we sort of, what's the aspect of housing? Housing right. is shelter, right. place to, to live, place to raise a family, place to enjoy your family. So maybe rental is also another aspect of attainable. Absolutely. And we got some interesting concepts from uh, from Patrick Petch, which I interviewed earlier today, and we'll list some bring some of that forward as well. Patrick has some ideas about young people leasing some homes and uh, subleasing actually rooms within their those homes. So there's some innovative ideas and some innovative thinkers in our community, and we want to bring that out. And we want to be open to that, and we want to make sure that uh, everybody gets a chance to have input. And each one maybe have some, some different kind of uh, situation, but I think uh, by working together, we'll come up with some answers. Now let's listen to my conversation with Patrick Petch. Uh, welcome, Patrick. Well, thank you, Stuart. <laughs> it's great to have uh, I, a young person from uh, Grey Highlands that's uh, so involved in uh, in real estate and and knowing what's what's happening in our in our community. All right, so welcome again to our uh, our first inaugural podcast. Well, thank you very much, sir. So you and I've been chatting before we got on mic here. So we've got we've run by a lot of different things, but one of the things that we really want to be able to determine is 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 there a need for millennials to find homes? Are they or are they satisfied? It, should we be doing something about finding homes for millennials? Absolutely. Um, so, as a millennial, I can speak to this directly. Uh, realistically, it is becoming incredibly unaffordable for us to find housing right now. Um, the average net worth for a millennial is eight thousand dollars, and you look at Grey Highlands, and the the average home sold in the last year in Grey Highlands was four hundred and ninety. $3,000. That's a lot of money. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. I checked the listings the other day and uh, there was, I think, 72 listings and there were only two under 300000 So yeah. maybe by today they've been sold. All right. But, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't seem to be anything coming on the market at that particular uh, level. So no, I was reading an article that said that a lot of people, um, seniors particularly, are staying in their homes longer. Um, they may be, I'm not sure whether they are taking reverse mortgages, but they don't, you know, there's no place for them to go. So they're trying to stay there. So that turnover of homes isn't happening. I uh, Do you see that as part of what's... Uh, yeah, I mean, that that is also part of the issue. Um, seniors are staying in their homes for a longer period of time. But once again, that's that's partially due to the fact that they don't really have an alternative option for that. Really, the, the housing issues that I see in Grey Highlands are to do with seniors and it's to do with millennials. Right. So it, it's both both ends of the spectrum. And where it comes from seniors is, is there's just not enough bungalows out there. Uh, not enough one floor living um, right. close to town, close to a hospital or in town. Um, and and the houses that there are, if you look at Markdale, uh, a bungalow, single level is the most desirable style of home, and they're going for uh, a dated bungalow is going for three hundred thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand. Really, 
Okay. Yeah, single car attached garage. Well, my brother and I were brought up in a bungalow in in, in a small part of Toronto. It was eight hundred square feet. All right, yeah. and we had we had two bedrooms, and he and I shared a, a room. All right, so it's possible to have that, it, but no one's building those type of houses. So no, I mean uh, a big part of the issue is uh, as well as is people who can't build those houses in Grey Highlands right now. Our zoning bylaws only allow for a thousand square foot, and I know Grey Highlands is planning on moving in a much more progressive direction. Right when it when it comes to um, future developments. Yeah, um, I think they're going to let the building code determine it, and I think so that'll allow a smaller home to be put on. And it's been restrictive at a thousand square feet. I I know that. Uh, I mean, uh, if you're if you're looking at the world globally, or even if you look at Europe, for example, everything is much smaller in Europe. They have smaller homes, they have smaller right. cars, smaller streets. Uh, in North America, uh, maybe it's because we have so much space, but we tend to build much bigger homes, um, go for things bigger than we essentially need. Right. And there is becoming a trend that is moving back to to small homes and a smaller home movement. Um, and and millennials want something smaller not only is it because they can it's easier for them to afford but we also know that it's going to be better for the environment to, to make a smaller carbon footprint essentially so we did uh you i had the privilege of seeing your early design for a, a 700 square foot home uh yeah close it's uh 800 square feet and is uh, it okay that's fine yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> i understand 800 square feet definitely early stages but right. it's, it's something that i had thought up of um it, the the style itself is made to be fairly affordable and fairly green um, and straightforward for building. So the the primary house itself is only 600 square feet, uh, and then there is a covered porch in between, and then a small bunkie that is probably around the the 200 square foot mark that could be rented out as an Airbnb to help cover the the mortgage of the primary home. Um, I think that's a terrific idea. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was really impressed. Um, because I think that just is taken the, the small home to another level. All right. And, uh, I, I suppose with your expertise, having come from the, the building trade at one time that you probably could do a costing on that, uh, can you do have somebody do a, a, a material takeoff and come up with a price for that kind of home? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, with that particular home, it, it was when I had it in mind when I was designing it, I was designing it more for the purpose of building a, a subdivision of those homes. Right. The home is designed so that it can be uh, built out fairly quickly and easily, um, and uh, it's still customizable enough to make a, a subdivision feel unique. Um, I would say for building material on that, you would probably be looking at around 150000 to... Uh, yeah, I, you know, probably right around that hundred and fifty thousand mark. To be honest with you, right? Yeah, roughing in the uh, the labor on that would be. If you're roughing in the labor on that, uh, depending on the builder that you're getting, um, but with the speed that you could build that home, if it's just slab on grade, right? Uh, I wouldn't see why it would be more than a hundred thousand. Okay, so we're hitting two fifty now. Yeah, we're hitting two fifty again. And it's, and it's still... we've got to put a well, and we've got to put a septic system in sure. there. Thirty thousand, right? Still development charges. DC charges in the rural are roughly about three thousand, right? Yep. For yep. residents, so yep. but we're getting up there, but we're still not reaching past three fifty at this no, point. No, it's difficult because even building materials going up. So right. So it is. It is. Um, yeah, it is an issue. So if we had a, a person, let's say, that owned a lot, okay, mm -hmm. and uh, knowing that the regulations, we could build five of them on a lot, 
Yes. I'm not sure how many we can squeeze on on a lot. Um, that would be something that we'd have to explore. But the rules and regulations in this particular area, I think, are five people can be uh, off a well, right? Mm -hmm. And then we could, and I'm not sure whether, again, about the septic systems, but maybe there's some new thoughts on septic systems with a with a new type of uh, tier four septics that we could probably have one that services all of those five units, all right? And so if they were leased uh, out, uh, it might be an interesting way of getting something started and exploring on that particular product that you're, what you're thinking of. Well, to your point, it would make it incredibly, it would make it so much more affordable uh, to, to have a lot and have it subdivided, just like you're saying. Right. Um, and that way you aren't paying the $100,000 for the lot. Right. Uh, as soon as you subdivide the lot and you build five of them on an acre, let's say. Right. Uh, then all of a sudden you have a shared well, to your point. Uh, all of these things are making it much more affordable for, for somebody to, to build and own those homes. Well, that's really innovative. We're going to explore this in future uh, broadcasts to see how we can bring <laughs> this on because I think there's opportunities there. And uh, the fact that uh, you know a little bit about building makes a big difference about it. And, and also, uh, once we, uh, you know, with a, the long list of young people that want to have homes, I think we could probably find five tenants very quickly. So I have an eye on a piece of property and uh, and uh, perhaps you have some as well, so we'll stay tuned on that. And, yeah, it uh, would it would be a definite benefit to Grey Highlands for sure. Well, thank you for joining us today in uh, in our inaugural presentation. All right, okay. on in Grey Highlands this week. Well, thank you very much, Stuart. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye now. Well, Paul, let's switch gears and let's talk about another topic uh, that uh, is very interesting and and seems to be in full swing in our in our community is is about environmental issues i know the un has issued several reports recently and uh, it tells us that unless we do something about our carbon emissions we're all not going to be here in 12 years um i'm not sure how maybe that's a little bit uh, of an overstatement but we have to address that and this this week they also said that uh, the UN scientists said that uh, we should be uh, making sure that uh, that uh, we support our vegans by not eating red meat. And so there's a lot of things that we can talk about, but also I want to talk about a few a few words in uh, that people in the environment business use. And one is resilience, and the other is sustainability, and the other is transformation. So uh, we'll come back to that, but I want to just say that uh, uh, you being a farmer are going to have an opportunity to make some comments on that, on the second UN report. Well, certainly on the on the uh, beef side, for sure. But, uh, you know, when farmers first thing they say is, how's the weather? Because when it comes to growing food, weather is very important. And we see the our environments uh, continuing to change. I think uh, from a from a farmer's perspective, we have to uh, be aware of the change, but also adapt to the change. And uh, you know, right now we look at the past uh, year, look at the past spring with the the way the weather was in the spring, wet spring, wet spring. Now we have a dry, dry uh, summer. So, I mean, it's never perfect, but it's uh, it's part of adapting as far as farmers and trying to try to uh, to appeal to that uh, weather climate. I think it's been known to say that uh, is is as we go through the uh, climate change, 
is Canada going to be better off for growing food? I mean, there's been reports out there that says, and I mean more locally, I guess, in a sense that as our climates, if they're saying our, 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 our climate's going to warm, uh, is that going to be better for Canada to grow better, longer, longer growing seasons? And, uh, you know, that's one aspect of, of it's, it's changing. How do we adapt to that change? But f- to start with, in a sense of your environment, is one of the main things is clean water. We need clean water to, to, uh, to, for our health and for our uh, raising of our family and, and, and also feeding of our livestock. Also, in the sense of, uh, I know in the livestock part is that it's a part of using a lot of water on 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 that, but also the quality of quality food, good food. We need good quality food to to exist and 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 again to grow that in an environment that's changing. Housing and and health and healthcare is also different aspects of of living in the sense of what we're in our environment. I mean, they always used to say, and I think maybe David Suzuki said, "We are what we eat, and we are what we breathe." And so I think there is some aspects to that. So I think David is uh, needs to be looked at and some of those things that he says we need to explore. Okay? Absolutely. So you are what you eat. Obviously, I ate too much, right? But uh, I think that... Uh, uh, well, you can say that. I didn't. <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, that's why I was called Tank as a kid, because I was well-built. Um, let's look at... Uh, um, some local initiatives about shopping local. So there was uh, at the farmer's market, and I go to the farmer's market every right. Saturday morning and I get uh, a loaf of uh, gluten-free bread and I enjoy it very much. But there was a, a, a group there called uh, Shop Local in Grey Bruce and they, they will buy food locally and they'll deliver it to your house. So there's a real movement afoot on, on, on local food. So I think that uh, market gardening is starting to expand more in in, in uh, Grey Highlands. It's still not to the level that I'd like to see it, where I could go and pick uh, pick my carrots uh, right from the field. I can pick strawberries, but I haven't seen a field where I can go and pick carrots, all right? Like I used to do in my dad's garden hmm. back in the old days. Right. Uh, Holland Marsh. <laughs> well, you can, but I... Anyhow, some of our Mennonite uh, people are, are able to adapt and, and do market gardens or do it gardens. So I think that's important. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, this uh, UN report that says uh, that we shouldn't be eating as much beef and that's going to cause, that's causing climate change? Do you have an opinion on that or are we going to talk about that in the future? Okay, well, you know, it's interesting that they're talking about the eating meat meat and uh, raising of cattle. Certainly, um, you know, there, there's certainly that debate of, of cutting out the, the raising of beef and just eating a plant-based diet. Uh, but I think in the, in the world itself, uh, a lot of people enjoy eating red meat. And I mean, everything is, as long as it's in, in, in certain, uh, you know, modification or not modification, but in, in the sense of certain, you know, everything in moderation is what I'm trying to say. Saying that is... You know, here in Grey Bruce, uh, a good portion of a lot of the, the beef that is raised is on marginal lands, and and marginal lands that you necessarily would maybe be growing uh, your your seed grains or, you know, where you have that. I, I look at it in a sense like this: is, you know, there's a lot of places in Grey Bruce you can't grow potatoes, but you can raise cattle. 
That's right. And, and, and from that is, in a sense, and, you know, every time you expose, as I understand, uh, I don't have an agricultural science from the University of Guelph, but every time that you turn over that soil or your plant, you're, you're having a carbon release. Well, I understand through hay crops and pasture lands, it's, it's, it's capturing carbon. So I, I think that's, in that sense, it's, it's, that's a positive thing. Certainly, what I guess the big thing is, is cows fart, I guess, right? And how do you control that? I know the University of I think it's University of Guelph or, or, or other uh, science-based uh, studies are looking at how can we improve that through through the diet of cattle or certain processes of food for cattle. And I think they're you know they're seriously looking at that aspect of of raising raising cattle. So you know that's just a perspective, Stuart. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, do you, do you eat meat? Uh, well, yes, I do. Um, and why do you eat meat? Maybe that's the question. Why do people eat meat? Uh, well, let's say this. Um, I enjoy it. All right? I was okay. brought up with it. so uh, And people drive sports cars because they enjoy it, too. I used to have one, yeah. Or an eight-cylinder. But anyhow, just sort of to, to look at uh, uh, an article that uh, was posted yesterday by Larry Miller that said that, and you can verify this, but 85% of the land used for grazing uh, cows cannot be used to grow crops. And you've more or less right. looked at that, and I would have to say that that's one of the reasons that we should continue. It's called stones. Yeah. <laughs> and lots of them. <laughs> you used to say that the land was pretty bony. Right. So, and cows eat forage. So what's forage? Well, legumes like that could be alfalfa, timothy, grass right. varieties, a lot of different, you know. You have some statistics about planet and, and carbon release. If you have those statistics. Here's the, here's the issue. If 1.6% of the carbon emissions in, in the world is from Canada and 27.2% is from China and 146 from United States, I mean, we could get to a 0% emission, but how do we deal with this as a world uh, issue? And, 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 you know, I know off the break, you and I were talking about this is, do we, do we buy more local and support local and support things that, uh, that are, are emission free? I mean, uh, I think you were reading about the, um, federal government with regards to uh, some some uh, grants with regards to some of that carbon tax that they're collecting. Uh, personally, I think in the province of Ontario, the uh, the carbon tax that they did have on for uh, uh, gasoline was a good thing because it was, it was promoting the ability for people to have subsidies for electric vehicles and, and certainly retrofitting their homes with, with uh, better windows. I mean, we, we live in Canada here. What do we got? We got winter for six months. I mean, the, the, our, probably one of our biggest emission issues is heating our homes and keeping warm. And uh, I don't think anybody's going to going to choose from keeping warm to, you know, we got to come up with ways that are, are better for, for you know, uh, the efficiency of, 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 of heating our homes. And so that goes back to creating incentives. And we all know, you talked about carrots a few minutes ago. Well, sometimes you got to dangle the carrot to make things uh, happen in the sense of in good ways. And just those incentives are, are a good thing. So Gray Highlands took up on the first re UN report and, uh, they approved a concept called the climate crisis. So I know they're looking for people to participate in that uh, task force, and hopefully they'll get some guidelines and develop some uh, some things There's that some might be useful. Or, yeah. And I also see today that the uh, Gray County has a group of young millennials that are looking at uh, things that can be done by by, uh, by municipalities and by people. So I think that's really important. 
uh, that we stay focused on on coming up with solutions. It's not going to be easy, but even though that we're not emitting as much carbon as China, I think we do our part. And one of the things that we'll lead into eventually is talking about waste management and recycling and all those other things that we can do. And uh, you know, the province is looking at, uh, at different ways of uh, of saving and and doing about recycling. So. I just want to also say that um, Grey Highlands has uh, has been a resilient municipality. All right, and uh, resilience in just as a environmental use is bouncing back. So we bounced back when a tornado came through uh, Marktown. We also bounced back when the spring flood in March two thousand and sixteen almost uh, Lake Eugenia almost flowed over the. Valley. <laughs> the valley, down in the valley there. And so anyhow, we bounced back. And also corporate resilience came from Chapman's when they when they decided to to, to hang in there and, and become a resilient uh, organization. And, and build the Phoenix. And rebuild. Right. So anyhow, um, so we're wrapping it up. Uh, and, and thanks for, for everybody that's listening. Remember our talk back numbers, 519 900 8905. And you can get back to us at feedback in greyhighlandsthisweek.ca. So, Paul, we're only scratched the surface on, on yeah, environment, absolutely. and there's a lot of things to talk about in the future, and there's a lot of topics that you and I will, that over the backyard fence that we are, we kind of uh, got here in front of us. So, we're chatting, and we're going to continue to talk about some of these issues, and environment is certainly an important issue. And we're going to bring in uh, some, a few experts on environment, so stay tuned for that. Uh, like we had Patrick Petch, we have somebody else coming on environment soon. Right, it's certainly certainly moving forward in our environment. Uh, we, you and I, will certainly uh, have an opinion or create some dialogue, but certainly we're open up to hearing other people's thoughts. Absolutely. We're doing our what and when uh, segment this afternoon, and today. Who walked in but Brody Barwick? Brody is a great young summer student from Markdale who's working at the South Gray Museum. He and I have had lots of chuckles and laughs. And uh, we are here to talk about some of the things that are coming up in uh, in the Gray Highlands in the next week or so. So one of the events is uh, the Flesher and Fling, and the other is the Markdale Fair, Fall Fair. And that is now in its 161st year. That, uh, that 1858, I don't know what was happening in Markdale in 1858, but they were having an affair. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, Brody, tell us a little bit, but you know about the Flesher and Fling, because it's right next door to the South Gray Museum. Are you going to take part in it? Um, I, I believe I am. I think we're doing a live uh, podcast while we're there. So live? Okay. Well, that's good. Be. So give us a little bit of a rundown, because I know it's exciting. I think they've... Flesh and Fling is in its 13th year now. Oh, really? 13 years? Yes. Wow, that that is awesome. I That is news to me as well. Yeah, no, it's been around for quite some time. And uh, Carol Carol Wood, uh, our local merchant from Local Color, is is uh, spearheading it again this year. And uh, so, but it's right next door to... Are you going to have that stage built? <laughs> Fingers no. crossed. Okay, well, anyhow, are you going to have a straw bales? 
Um, I, I suspect we will have something set up that is comfortable and uh, stage-like. Okay. Whether or not it's a proper stage and proper chairs, I suppose we'll see by the well, day. Well, look, it's I- improvisational theater, so <laughs> have a shot at maybe uh, giving us a bit of update, uh, Brody, you, from your point of view of a young millennial working at the South Gray Museum as part of a threesome there this year, so. Yes, uh me and my uh, other two summer students. Um, so, Are they nameless or do you want to give us a bit of a hint? Well, I was about to go into uh, one of the events that Paige is actually running oh, at, the, okay. uh, at the fling here. Um, right. Did we mention what, uh, what day the fling was happening? August the 24th, Saturday. Like uh, Likewise with the uh, Markdale Fall Fair. Well, it's three days. It starts on the evening of the 23rd. It's the 24th and the 25th, all right? So it's a longer event. Uh, but, uh, you know, well, they it's have the first fall fair in Grey Highlands, uh, you know, in the year. So there's some other, uh, some over in Osprey and some in Rockland. So mm-hmm. it's just the beginning. Yeah. Of uh, a whole bunch of fun, uh, farm loving fun. Yep. Uh, you're recommending that everybody go to the Flesher and Fling. It, it does. You know what time it starts? Probably at noon. Anyhow, Brody's uh, going to be there, and uh, you're, tell us a little bit about what Paige is doing. So, well, Paige is hosting a uh, rock sort of a Bob Ross, but with rocks. So I guess we'll go with Bob Rocks um, style art class, where she, instead of using canvas, is going to be painting on rocks and stones. So. She'll be teaching How kids. How big are these rocks? I suppose it's as big as you can grab one. If it's a kid, it might just be a pebble. If it's oh, okay. a, a big, strong man. They could become, uh, you know, I probably before your time, pet rocks were very popular. <laughs> and they'll become my pet rock. Uh, so I think I'll probably do that because uh, I have a, several pet rocks at home. Anyhow, uh <laughs> Let's a li- talk a little bit about uh, the Markdale uh, Fall Fair. Let's go it's into agricultural it. fair, and it's going. It's exciting. It starts off. The kickoff is in the evening with the ambassadors, where they choose the junior and senior ambassador. But anyhow, uh, come to the Fall Fair. Come to the Flesher and Fling, and let's make things happen on August the twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth in Grey Highlands. We'll see you there. You've been listening to the inaugural episode of In Grey Highlands This Week for Thursday, the 15th of August, 2019. A current affairs podcast for and about the municipality of Grey Highlands in Ontario, Canada. Our hosts are Stuart Halliday and Paul McQueen. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to you favoring us with a response by email, feedback at ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca or a call on our voicemail at 519-900-8905. Please visit ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca to view the show notes, leave a comment, and listen to any extended material. You'll also find links to our social media presence where you can engage further with the show. Our scores are skillfully composed and generously provided by Al Halliday of Arkham Dispatch and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks to our guest, Patrick Petch, of Gray County Real Estate in Markdale. The show is produced by Tim Riley at Leaking Ambient Studio. Our associate producer for this episode is Michelle Patey. In Grey Highlands This Week 
is published by the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce and is licensed under Creative Commons. Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, Canada 3.0 license. <laughs>